You're listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Alan Draper and Eric Bassett. Each week, they'll discuss ways to scale and grow your pest control company with a goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. So you have to actually hear what they say to understand that. So that's a big piece of this after action review is if I just sit down and pull up a deck or numbers and I'm walking through it, telling them what I think, and I'm not actually having them tell me what they think. It's a completely different outcome. If I can hear what they're saying and, and try to get where their level of understanding is, then I know how to actually tailor the coaching, teaching training specifically to them. So that is a big piece of that after action review. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bug Bucks podcast. I'm Alan Draper. I've got my man, Eric Bassett here with me. What's going on, Eric? Hey, Alan. Not too much. Glad to be on the show as always. And looking forward to hearing from our guest, man. Super excited to talk to this guy. Yeah. Huge guest today. Very excited about it. I think the really exciting thing is that I don't even know where it's going to go. I have no idea. We could go anywhere, right? I'm really excited. Oh, yeah. Before we get to our guest, make sure that you join our Bug Bucks Facebook group. We're doing monthly giveaways on there for people that aren't aware of this, but every month we're giving away a package of product and equipment valuing anywhere between $350 and $550. So we're doing that every month. This month's competition is just interaction in our group, looking for comments, looking for feedback, things like that. Just some really good conversations in our Bug Bucks group. So make sure to join the conversation there. Let's get on with it. So today we're excited to welcome Andrew Beck. I'm not going to be able to explain his influence in the pest control world in his bio, his intro, but he's currently the CEO of Arusa Pest Control. And prior to joining Arusa, he served as a director of operational best practices on the anti-CMX North American senior operations team, or a mouthful. He holds multiple certifications in process improvement, business analysis, and project management. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Is there anything you don't do? Gosh, that's a good question. Not really. <laughs> I love everything, but I'd say outside of everything I do do, I'm not very music inclined, but everything else I in a business, I'm pretty decent at. Nice. Good guy to have around. So your new gig, you've been with Arusa and we know those guys are you know close friends of ours. Yeah. You've been there for what? It's been six months, eight months? Gosh, I joined in about November. So it's been it's been some time. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is something I've never asked anybody. What's the trick to pest control? What's the secret? What's the one or two things you can give me? And I know those that doesn't really exist, but just for conversational purposes, what is it that makes a pest control company successful? Gosh, that's a great question. And actually, I just walked out of a meeting with my VP of field operations and our two district managers. And we were just talking about this because we were talking about I would say holding an after action review, which I think are super important. So we're looking at the summer. How did that go? Where are opportunities? I think it's always good. Well, a best practice really to look backwards and identify where the opportunities are. And one of the things that we were very intentional about this year and are continuing to to try to develop and be great at is how we differentiate ourselves. And, And I don't think that's how we kill bugs but I think that's how we take care of people. That was the basis. And to give you some context around that conversation is, I think a pest control company, if there's two things they can do really, really well, understanding it's a people business 
And at its heart, if you take care of people, they take care of your customers. And so the context of our conversation was that I think our greatest opportunities, which I think are always going to be opportunities for continuous improvement and development at any company, are how do we get great at people engagement, understanding the dynamics in the market we are nowadays with the varying levels of ages of our service teams and how those things have changed over time in terms of what their objectives are, what they find important in their lives, and, and how do we get better at engaging them, helping them feel that they are cared for and that we're constantly helping them to improve, but also connecting everything they do in terms of here's what I do on a daily basis to the objectives of the business to add more depth and purpose to that. Because if people feel that what they do on a daily basis is important and it is, then there's so much higher of a level of pride that they have. And I think pride and performance is extremely important. The second piece is, which I think kind of underlies this whole thing is, well, how do you take care of people? We have to have great managers. How do you have great managers? We have to invest into them. And there's a role that, that I think is one of the most important roles in service is the service manager. While the branch manager, of course, is important, it's the service manager because you can have a great branch manager, but as the business grows, and I think this is just a principle in scaling and how you scale a business is as the business grows, how does a branch manager touch and let's say the branch has you know, now grown to fit five, six, seven million dollars. How does it get hands-on in front of that many employees? And well, I better say to team members or colleagues, how does he have an impact on all those people? Now, given I think there's a way to do that, but a great branch manager is going to develop great service managers, understanding that those are extensions of him. And they're able to drive that level of engagement at the front line because I think they also are the glue in the business. And they have the most impact influence based on what they're demonstrating in terms of what we talk a lot about is the apprenticeship model. I do, you watch, we do together. And then you do, I watch, and I'm teaching coaching. So those, I think, are the two most important parts. And an interesting story on that is when I was at Anacimex, we spent a lot of time doing analysis of the business and looking at the data. And one thing we found that was extremely, I think, it was very interesting in terms of, hey, this seems to be what your question had asked earlier. What is the formula? What are the things that someone can do well? What's that secret formula? So we did this analysis. And what the analysis was, is it overlaid two, two KPIs. One was, well, actually, it was, sorry, it was three. It was employee MPS. It was customer MPS. Then it was retention. And what we found was the companies that had the highest EMPS scores also had the highest C NPS scores and the highest retention. And it was very telling. If you take care of people, they take care of customers. If customers are taken care of and the person taking care of them shows up to the home with that energy and that feeling of, hey, I really take pride in who I work for. I feel appreciated and I'm going to represent my company with pride and I want to deliver great service because I'm connected to this outcome. I'm connected to the business objective. What I do is important. Customers feel that and it drives retention. So it's a very simple formula take care of people, develop great managers, and you win as a business. Yeah, I love that. I always say you take care of your people, your people will take care of your customers, and your customers will take care of you, right? One of the most important things I think that you mentioned is this aspect of our people understanding their role in the bigger picture. I worked at a wood factory 
during the summers when I was going to school. And I had such a small task and I never got to see the finished product. I just did the same thing like several thousand times a day, right? Like helping feed this piece of wood through a machine that sawed it down to one piece of a window frame. And I never saw the bigger picture. And over the years, I've learned that the most successful companies, the companies that get the most out of their employees are the ones that are able to show the importance of that employee's role in the big picture. So it's not like, okay, I'm doing the same thing over and over and over. And I think there's a way to do it in pest control. I think there's a way to do it through a collaboration and just kind of helping. One of the reasons why I love pest control is because my wife hates bugs more than anybody I've ever met. And I love them, right? That's it's my business. I love scorpions and spiders and everything else. But I've seen that. I've seen the extent that she's gone to to avoid a moth. Seriously, she thinks they're going to get stuck in her hair or whatever. And we have to pass that onto our employees. We have to pass like what we're actually doing, right? It's not just about us doing the quarterly service. It's so much more meaningful than that. And I think the way to do it is to pass information between departments. A lot of companies, Andrew, they keep their departments kind of segmented. They don't really talk. They don't really interact maybe for efficiency purposes, maybe for something else. But I think when there is that communication, especially when you're cheering somebody on or you're sharing positive feedback with everybody about a specific department, I think it allows us to share kind of the bigger picture with our people, which in order to have a successful company, I think you have to do that. I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I feel like we're beginning to better quantify what it means when someone says, you know, you need to have good company culture right? Good company culture is such a buzzword that everybody uses. It's like, oh, you got to have good company culture. And then you ask, well, what does that mean? Like, how do I get that? How do I coach and train and lead in that way? Right. And I like that you brought up all these different things in there where you're like, hey, you know, you have to be able to invest in your manager. What does that mean? You know, giving them the time, you know, having a coaching format that makes sense. That's clear to them. Right. And then, you know, showing all the other colleagues and teammates that you care about them, and the way that you care is by giving them, you know, showing them in their job how they matter, how they make a difference, you know, how they actually connect to the vision of the company, which me and Alan talk, you know, vision all the time. You mentioned one thing that I wanted to pick your brain on just a little bit. You know, in, in our company, we do a lot of formats that mirror military just because it's really clear, super concise. I love it. Chain of command, you know, fire teams, fire team leaders. You mentioned AARs, like after action reports which are awesome. So kudos to you for even having those. And I want to highlight that for just a second and talk about how important and impactful that might be for businesses. You know, we're talking about being able to evaluate how things go, right? You're talking about the summertime. I wanted to know like how often you have after action reports or after action reviews and who you have them with and kind of what your format in doing that is. Yeah, so great question because there's a lot of layers to that. It's not, there's not just one. So those should be happening very often. And I think each can be a little different. I mean, same overall concept and objective, which is, and I think two really basic principles is that you have to know why you won in the first place, what went right so that you can continue to repeat it. 
And then what, where's an opportunity to improve something so that you can be intentional and deliberate about how you go about improving it. And then from there, so let's say if we had an after action review, then, and again, throughout the summer, we had these. So I would say kind of format here is there's things that look more like a sprint. And then there's things that are going to be a little bit longer, which is on the month and there's more of a quarter. So you have these three different pieces of it. And I think there should be things happening at each one of those touch points. So on a weekly basis, if we're drilling down, I think weekly focuses on the sprint piece of it, which is what are the things that we're working on right now? And in terms of the strategy that we're, we're trying to execute and implement and sustain, then there's commitments that need to be made. And those are going to vary across the managers. Maybe each manager is doing something perhaps, and I wouldn't say different, but there's a different opportunities branch based on the maturity of that business, right? Because if you look at summer sales or any growing business, you're going to have a branch that's a year old, branches that are four years old. Maybe the four-year-old branch has a manager who has a lot of tenure. So there's things that he's working on that be different than a brand new manager. Because if you look at, and I'll just use Ruza for example, and I think this is actually one of the cool things about our business. And I think a lot of businesses that have an owner and a visionary and someone like a Christian of Solomon that's willing to take that leap to go create something that a lot of people are quite frankly scared of that you guys have done. It takes a lot of courage is that when you create a business, it creates opportunities for people that otherwise may not have had those. So that being said, it's with the understanding that the managers we're bringing in, they're really, really new. And perhaps they came from a service supervisor, or maybe they were a route manager going right into management. And so when we do these act for action reviews, and, and we do these sprint reviews and a monthly review and a quarterly review, I take all those things into consideration. And the reason I'm bringing this up, and perhaps it's a, it's a longer answer than I guess that maybe you'd expect it, but I, I think it's important. To, it, I'll circle back to what I started with on that piece of the engagement and developing the service managers is that what you'll find different, and I think is just critically important in, in any business, is you look at the big guys. When I say big guys, I mean the Terminex, the Renekils, the Anasimexes, is that they're used to bringing in a very tenured manager. And I think there's a different set of, maybe I shouldn't say expectations, but I think what's missing in most of the big guys, the big American companies, it's that level of empathy, of understanding, hey, this guy's brand new. There's things that they just haven't done yet. And I think a lot of the learning, development, management is accomplished through exposure to leaders. If I look at my career and when Alan said, hey, what don't you do? What haven't you done? Well, I got here to this point in my career because I had a lot of exposure to people that had done a lot of things that I wouldn't otherwise have had. I'm someone that always goes out and tries to get learning. And so at some point, I would have stumbled into these things just for that drive of wanting to be better that I learned from, from my parents and my brother growing up. But I take that level of empathy. And so I'll do things such as skip level meetings. And again, our company is aligned in terms of how we develop people. So my VP of field operations, he'll have reviews with people that I'll sit in on so that I can hear what he's saying. And I have him do the same thing with his people. Because a lot of times what leaders do is they do all the talking and they think that people understand what they mean. But no two minds understand a message or commitment the same way. What you say, I may interpret differently. And so part of the hate. Our, is the business on track? And on track, that means that the people understand what's expected. They know how to get there and they're executing on it. So you have to actually hear what they say to understand that. So that's a big piece of this after action review is if I just sit down and pull up a deck or numbers and I'm walking through it, telling them what I think, and I'm not actually having them tell me what they think, it's a completely different outcome. 
if I can hear what they're saying and, and try to get where their level of understanding is, then I know how to actually tailor the coaching, teaching training specifically to them. So that is a big piece of that after action review. So we have those three layers. I don't know if that necessarily answered the question, but it's kind of a complex answer because there's a lot that goes into it. I want to emphasize that piece of empathy that I think is missing at a lot of companies is a lot of people after they've been in their roles for a long time, and maybe they've moved up into, you know, went from tech to service manager, branch manager, director, another VP. It's like you almost forget what it was like when you first ran your first branch and your mind starts to erase all the mistakes that you made. And we're extremely critical on people when they make the first mistakes. Well, here we have a saying that, look, you're allowed to make mistakes. And in fact, I mean, I start my meetings this way. I say, in fact, I expect you to make mistakes. So I, I want to make that crystal clear is I know you're going to make mistakes because I made mistakes. And I want us to be able to talk about those in a way that you don't feel that there's only a stick because that's not the company that I want to create. And that's not the company that you want to be a part of. I think you're here because you want to be a company that's different. And that's what we're trying to develop here. And that means that we're going to learn from our mistakes. And this is part of the three DHL tenets is that everyone's allowed to make a mistake as long as that mistake isn't violating integrity or ethics and that it's used for learning across the company so that we can then see around the corners that perhaps someone else hasn't been around yet and share that across the company. So that those are things that we try to do. Look, we perfect by no means, but I don't expect us to be perfect. Otherwise, it wouldn't be people. And if people were perfect, there'd be no need for managers, right? You wouldn't have managers in a company. So it's just the understanding of as you look at a company that there's always going to be something to improve. There's going to be mistakes, which in turn, we look at as opportunities to continually develop. So in that flow of these reviews, it's really built around how can I develop? And, and this is kind of, I think the summary of that message is I do this. And the whole objective of this is I'm looking several years out, knowing where we're going to be and where I need all my leaders to be in terms of their readiness for that future state. And so all the development is really tailored to them. And I feel like we have a great, actually a really great group of leaders here with that have that. What I really like is that young, excited. When I mean young, I mean tenure in role, not age, but hey, I just got in this role. I'm super excited. Whether that's someone who's just out of college or someone who's been around the block, been a tech for, for maybe 10, 15 years, they're getting that chance now. So the best thing I can do to help them be successful is an after action review. And I also love skip level meetings. So I'll have my VP conduct meetings and then his people conduct meetings. And then I do skip levels so that I'm having a, a conversation with people directly, because I think that exposure piece is so important because they have to see in order to be something, they have to be exposed to that thing and that way of thinking. So I find those two things after action and skip levels to be very helpful. So a couple things. Number one, you touched on a lot of stuff. And like, when you apologize for like giving a long answer, I just want you to know, I am 100% here for the long answers that you are willing to give because they are just jam-packed with value. I love that you guys have a formal, committed evaluation process because just like you were saying, it it's designed for the benefit and for the development of those colleagues long-term. You know, it's not to say, hey, this is what you did wrong. You know, we're going to harp on you. You know, it's just to say, hey, let's look at what we did. Let's look at why we won, right? If we're doing good things, we're winning. What's really important is understanding what we did and how we can duplicate that, right? Well, you're an athlete. So you played ball and I like to use this comment a lot. I call it game tape. 
I'm a big believer in using words in a certain way that have a meaning that is a little different than just, we're going to do review. Hey, game tape. And I explain that to people. And I think it helps people understand is, and even using the stories, look, when you played, you played the game, actually, let's take a step backwards. You record yourself practice and then you watch yourself practice. But why do you do that? You do that because when you're practicing, you can't see sometimes what's happening in the periphery. You're executing on your role. That's why, and this is actually part of deliberate practice is you have someone who, and this is, I mean, I don't, there's a lot of principles here, but this is another piece where we have these reviews and we have these, these sprints and these monthly meetings and these quarterly meetings is because you have to have someone that's been there, that's done it. Just like a coach, when you record your practice, then I'm recording it just to record it, recording it because he's going to watch it and he's going to coach the team. And so if there's not game tape review that's happening, how are people even going to get better? Could you imagine just as a comparison that a coach has said, Hey, you guys just figure practice out today. I'm going to be at my office. Hey, but let's go ahead and win that game. You know, matter of fact, let's go win the BCS championship bowl. You guys handle practice. How would that <laughs> be? But if you think about that, if you really think about it, isn't that what a lot of companies do in pest control? Hey, go out there and give great service. Go out there and retain a ton of customers. Go out there and, you know what? By the way, do those two things and sell them something. How about we do that? Oh, but we're not going to talk about it, about what you can do better. And by the way, I'm probably not going to come out there with you and watch you. I'm just going to look at your metrics and then call you and tell you you're not very good. Now, that seems crazy when I compare it that way, but how many companies do that? A lot of them do that. Do you know why? Because it takes more work, more time, and better time management, which is something we work on. And when I said, I think we have a lot of great people, and we're working on their level of maturity in terms of time in role, learning those things, because they're, they're valuable concepts. And each one of them has been here for a different amount of time. Either they're brand new or they've been here a couple of years, and there's varying levels of experience that, that they each hold. And we're working on getting to the point where they can have that impact. And you can only do that by being engaged as a coach. Yeah, I really like that you use the phrase or terminology, deliberate practice. And studies show that the most successful people in any area are the ones that engage in this deliberate practice, whatever that is. And over the last year or two, I've been trying to consume information to learn how, as a business owner, I can participate in deliberate practice, right? It's very specific and it really sets people up for success. And you talked about it kind of on the employee or team member level. What are some things that the business owners can do to get better at being business owners? Yeah, great question. So one thing I would say, and again, I guess I'm kind of praising the guys here, but I'll tell you, you know, Christian and Solomon both did this. And I would say Solomon is a guy that he really does push himself to learn a lot, actually. And even when I got here, he was doing some really unique things where he had hired a a coach from, I think it was the company's HTCD. I can't remember what the acronym stand for, but a guy named Bob, great guy. And he had the managers going through these coaching sessions. And then a couple of them had sessions on the side. So it was a group training that he would do every two weeks. And then in between those weeks, either Solomon or I would put on a training and then the managers would have this one-on-one session with the coach. But I will say with both Christian and Solomon, what they did is they invest a lot into 
their education in terms of business owners, because in order to practice deliberate practice, to execute on that and do it the way that it's written, is that you have to have that knowledge because you have to know what to look for. So in terms of someone who owns a business, maybe depending on where that right now, it takes self-awareness to step back and say, hey, what am I actually good at? Where are my gaps? And sometimes, actually, I'd say, maybe not sometimes, but quite often as someone develops more self-awareness, that person who's getting to know themselves and what their strengths and weaknesses are, they're usually not the best judge of that themselves yet, unless they've had a lot of time to develop it. So I think it's going to their network and saying, hey, what do you think are my strengths, my weaknesses? And being very real about that and say, you know what? Finance is just not something I'm strong in. Or maybe it's, hey, I'm very analytical, but because I'm so analytical, sometimes I'm disconnected from the people part of the business. And being able to see that and have someone develop them, meaning they have to reach outside of perhaps reaching someone in their circle, outside of their circle to get that. And I think as a business owner, becoming well-rounded, and that's actually why I think these podcasts you guys do are, are so great because one thing you do that, and you're probably aware of it, but if not, I think it's a praise to you guys is when you bring people on, you brought on some really sharp people. I'm sure those people that come on are also getting DMs. Hey man, can I reach out to you? Hey, you said something. I'd like to learn more about it. And the most successful business owners are the ones that do that. They don't have the pride. And if it's a business owner or just in general, director, manager, divisional, et cetera, someone who's responsible for other people, then they should be doing that. And if they're not, hey, look, great opportunity. Take a personal assessment and say, hey, have I reached out to anyone this year? If the answer is no, probably should do that at some point, either in one of those areas that you identify that you need to improve on. But I would say from a business owner's perspective, finance is always something that they can become really anyone a little bit better on. For a lot of reasons, right? Because growing the business, there's going to be times where you have to raise capital. Well, having the knowledge of how to go do that and do it in a way that doesn't put strain on the business, most people don't have that knowledge. So I think most guys that start the business in pest control probably have a pretty good handle on, on operations at a certain size. So it's, it's where I want to get to and how do I obtain that knowledge? What I would say finance normally is something that operators can develop. That yeah. and then a process how do I build a system and a system that has processes that can drive my business forward? Yeah. You know, I really like this idea of becoming self-aware and twice a year we have senior leadership meeting and all we talk about is, you know, what are your struggles? What are the things that you're running into time and time again? Because usually that's going to lead us down this path of finding an issue with some type of system or protocol. There's something that's happening. The cool thing about being a business owner, and this applies to pest control as well as generally, is that whatever your business is facing, it's ultimately a reflection of your leadership, whether you want to admit it or not. As a business owner, you are never going to be able to progress your businesses to a level that is above your personal development. It's impossible. If something is going on with your business, As a business owner, what I'd recommend, as opposed to pointing fingers and saying, oh, I got the wrong person or I, you know, we have the wrong sis, whatever, what I would recommend is that they look at themselves. How does this reflect on me? Right. Because it's ultimately your decision. Even if it's the wrong person in the wrong role, you're the one that put them there. Right. So if you're running into issues with your business, I think that's a great place to start and apply some of the things that you're talking about, Andrew. You know, what can we learn about? 
a lot of people in the pest world, man, they don't know much about their books. They don't. If I ask them how much it costs them to do a service, they probably struggle telling me or they make up a number, just you know, pull it out of a hat. So kind of going back to this being self-aware, using your mistakes and your failures and your hurdles and your frustrations as an opportunity to learn. Because what I see in a lot of forums is, yeah, my guy didn't show up for work again, or he didn't show up for an interview, or he didn't do this, or she didn't do that or whatever. And it's usually just pointing fingers and it's like, hey man, if you run into it enough times, you got to realize that it's no longer them, it's you. And I think that's a really great place to start to quote unquote practice and become a better business owner. I love what you guys were, obviously this whole idea of being able to evaluate yourself, right? And we, I mean, we kind of went on this whole crazy go on evaluations here and being able to kind of understand how things are going. But whether you're a business owner, your director level, regional guy, frontline colleague, nobody likes to fillet open themselves and talk about what they're bad at. You know, like nobody likes to do that. And I think one of the bravest things that somebody can do in business, no matter what level you're on, is to ask your peers what they think your strengths and weaknesses are. Like, hey, man, how am I showing up for you? Right. How am I failing to show up for you? You know, like, what do you think I could work on? How do you think I could improve? And, you know, nobody wants to really do that, but the amount of like actionable information that you gain by doing it is just priceless. It's awesome. You're absolutely right. And you said something there that it's funny that you said that. And I found that usually the people that have been very successful in business life, et cetera, whether it's from an athlete perspective, a business perspective, and normally almost I'd say those are kind of combined. Someone was, was successful with something whether sports or music or, or just something, they've developed that ability to have a drive in terms of identifying what is it to get better at, going and fixing it, and they carry that through. But you said something in there that was, it takes courage to open up and say, hey, here's what I need to improve on. And so I always make that a leading statement. I, I try to, in all my conversations, because I will say when I first got here, what I found was, and it's I guess I would say it's pretty normal in most of the places that I've been at is until people actually know you and know your intentions, they're fearful of opening up. And that's just a conditioned part of American business in, in general, right? If you show most companies, you're not allowed to say, hey, yeah, I'm not that good at this. So a lot of people just pretend like they're good at it. And what that does is it actually hurts the team. And because if you look at it from a leader perspective, a manager, well, if they're not great at something, then how can they help their team? But if a leader takes a step back and says, it's my duty and responsibility as a manager to be the absolute best I can be in order to put my people in a position where they can make or have the most opportunities to make more for their families. And when you connect those two things is my job as a manager, if you want to break it down, my job as a manager is to, again, this is also accountability, enroll this person into the accountability system that we have here and then coach, teach, and train them and push them to be more than they would be so that they can make more for their family. So essentially, my job as a manager is to help this person help their family. And so if you connect those actions, it has so much more depth, so much more meaning that you truly feel responsible. I think that's important. I think the people that care that much in, in any role, and even just from a technician to, to a customer, that again, just looking at all different layers of it, it's that if they care that much or connect themselves to those outcomes, 
then they're going to do a great job because it's not just this thing I'm doing, just like a manager. I'm not, I'm a tech, I'm not just killing bugs. I'm protecting houses. I'm providing this person peace of mind. I'm protecting their homes. If, I'm, if it's my responsibility to protect their home, then I'd be doing them a disservice by not talking about termite. And you approach this conversation so differently. So as a manager, it's my duty and responsibility to take care of in terms of prepare my people to be the most successful, which means also holding them accountable. So I can't have two different standards on my team. Then they approach it differently. So I, I really like that, what you said. I think that's something that's just learned over time, but it does take quite a bit of courage for someone to say, hey, here's what I need help on. I mean, just, I think men in general, right? Because yeah. you think about business owners, to be a business owner, you have to have a lot of confidence. No one just wakes up one day and is like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a business. These guys have a ton of confidence, a ton of confidence. And so part of that is also along the way saying, okay, well, maybe I need to develop some self-awareness. But it takes that super high confidence. say, you know what? Everyone says this can't be done. Well, of course, it's going to take crazy level of confidence because most people aren't leaders. Most people are followers and they're going to listen to that and not do it. So look, I hats off to anyone started a business, whether they have their teching it or they have one tech, two techs, three techs, it doesn't matter. That takes so much confidence. I applaud them for it. That's incredible. And I also think for this podcast, hopefully all those people have exposure to this and can reach out to these sources because it, it helps them see past the corners that they haven't been yet which is going to accelerate their business because you're not going to have to stumble and fall when you have all these people you can reach out to that have already been there and can lead you through it. That's so important. You know, we, as human beings, as we're wrapping up here, guys, because people that are listening to us have, they have work they, they got to get to. They'd love to listen to our voices all day, but, you know, as human beings, we have this, you know, tribe mindset. And when we're vulnerable and when we acknowledge that we've made mistakes or that we lack in a certain area or we need to learn or we need to develop, or we need to grow. The reason why it's so difficult for us to do that is because we are acknowledging to our tribe that, you know, we're not perfect, right? But our tribe's no longer going to leave us, right? If back, you know, whatever, 10,000 years ago, or whatever it was, someone breaks a leg, tribe leaves them, right? For the good of the tribe. It's no longer like that. And as, as leaders, I think one of the ways that you can become endearing and respected by your people is acknowledging where you come up short. And not only that, you're putting yourself in a position to lead your people because they're going to do what you do. They're not going to do what you say. And if they see you acknowledging a mistake, they see you trying to get better and fill in the gaps of the business because you care that much. You care enough about your business to say, hey, I'm going to stick my neck out there. I'm going to acknowledge that there's certain things that I'm just not good at, and we're going to figure it out for the good of the team. I think there's little that you can do to increase longevity of people staying with you more than that. So, Andrew, we've got to have you back. Oh, yeah. We'll get you scheduled. We could talk about all sorts of things that we didn't even get to today, but we did go pretty deep. These things... These issues really matter and they make a lot of difference to your bottom line. A lot of people won't think that, but when you get some of these things right that we've talked about today, it will forever impact your business in a positive way. So for the listeners, make sure you go to Bug Bucks on Facebook, B-U-G-B-U-X. Check us out there. Andrew, it was a pleasure having you, man. Like I said, we got to have you back. Thanks for what you do for the pest control world, man. There's so many people that respect you. I rub shoulders with quite a few people that have known you for decades. 
and just appreciate all the work that you're doing and just keep killing it out there in North Carolina. Yeah, appreciate it, man. And, and like we talked about in this, this message today on the topic of self-awareness, hey, I'm always improving because I think as a leader, you never just arrive. That just never happens. It's never stagnant. It's, there's a constant movement forward or you move backwards. There's only two directions. So like you guys, I, I continue to try to improve and I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. I listen to it. I think, again, this is great content. I'm happy to have been on it and really would encourage everyone that if they're not listening to it or they just start listening to it, go back and listen to all of them and then catch yourself back up because there's so much things that have been discussed on here that are going to help you accelerate your business to see around the curves that you may have not been at yet. All right. Thanks, brother. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating. Thank you. And we'll catch you on next week's episode.